Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. So my name is Jeff, and for those who don't know me, I'm a business coach, and I'm absolutely passionate about helping entrepreneurs' businesses run their business. And I've spent most of my life, I'm a recovering accountant, which is why I hang out with other accountants like Robin and Linda and Shailene. And what I like to do is help businesses grow. And the number one thing I realized a long time ago, I can work on a lot of things, we can fix a lot of things. But the number one thing is if we don't have good cash flow, we don't have a good business and therefore we're always going to be stressed and struggling. So the reason you might want to join us is you're a business owner or you're responsible for business success, and you'd like to learn some ways to improve cash flow. And I'm not going to get anybody to raise their hand yet, but one of the problems, the symptoms of cash flow is stress. If you're working really hard and you're not sure if you're making as much as you should, cash flow is almost always the problem. So one of the things we like to do, we're going to share today, is how to smooth out your cash flow so that you can sleep at night and basically your business can run with or without you day to day. So as you have questions, you feel free to ask away. Um, like I said, we'll leave time at the end for questions. You can put them in the chat and I'll get to them before we get wrapped up here. Okay. So feel free to put your details in the chat and just this is networking. So feel free to network and connect. And like I said, I'm going to ignore the chat. But when we get to the end, um, I will make sure I answer any questions you have. All right. So Cashflow Club, first of all, the reason we created it, um, me as an accountant, I have personally seen many, many businesses fail. And when they do fail, what I've also seen is the cost to the family, cost to the entrepreneur, cost to the community. Um, it's not uncommon for businesses when they fail, the owners lose their family, they lose their business, they lose their home. I've even seen in extreme cases where the businesses, um, rather than face failure, the owner chooses to end their life. So to me, this is very personal. I don't accept the fact, the statistic, that 80% of small businesses don't make it through five years. And that's just not acceptable. So we're here today to try and turn the tide. Um, I know that sounds very negative, but the reality is businesses can not just survive, but thrive. And usually it's because we just need a little bit more information. So the main four things I want you to take away from today, we're going to cover many, 
but I'm going to give you some ideas as to how you can increase the cash that's coming into your business. I'm going to give you some ideas on how you can speed up cash coming into your business. And then um, this is where we'll do deeper dives in future workshops. We're also going to show you how to decrease the amount of cash going out of your business and how to slow down that cash as it goes out. I'll share some other things, but these are probably the, the four meatiest areas. Um, for the record, the first two are my absolute favorite. I love talking about those two. The last two, I'm going to argue, and Robin and Linda and Shailene can give their two cents. I'm going to argue that the last two are the most important. Because here's the thing, if you bring in more cash or you speed it up coming in, that's great. It's important. But every dollar you bring in, it has to pay expenses and uh, other things. So for a dollar you bring in, you might end up with 10 cents left in your pocket at the end. So if you need a dollar, you need to bring in $10. Now, on the flip side, if you decrease cash going out, every dollar that doesn't go out is a dollar that stays in your pocket. So I like the balance of the two. And honestly, you can't grow by cutting costs, um, but you can grow by adding revenue. So I like the balance of the two. So I'm gonna jump right in. And the first thing I'm going to do, so I am actually going to break my rule and go to the chat. Um, I'd like you to share what would you like to get out of today to make this absolutely the best 90 minutes of your time? So, so just share what you'd like to get out of this. Okay, and I'll just keep going while you do that. Okay. So Shailene told me to be here. That's a great answer. All right. So we're going to talk about a concept I call the thriving business. And there are three elements of a thriving business. But first of all, in my opinion, a thriving business is something you will want to define for yourself. Um, in my world, the thriving business is growing, it's scaling, it's providing the freedom and lifestyle that the owner deserves while having a positive impact on the community. So those are my personal reasons. Um, you will define thriving business your own way. To get a thriving business, we need to work on three areas. And first, I will talk about inbound cash flows. That's my favorite area. And in that, there are three sub areas called increase, accelerate, and systemize. So we're going to talk about how to increase that cash flow coming in, how to speed it up, and how to create the systems that make it happen automatically. Um, this might sound a little strange, but I'm going to tell you that business should be boring. You should be able to sleep at night. You shouldn't be worried about a mic, you know, getting an adrenaline rush, going to the mailbox, hoping that a big check came today. Business should be boring, so we want to make it systematically boring so that we always know that our bills are covered and we're, we're actively working towards our financial goals. On the outbound side, we're going to talk about, as I said already, decreasing, decelerating that outbound cash 
and we're going to optimize our cash flow through the use of a budget. Um, now, I will put a little caveat here. Make sure you're talking to your financial advisor, whoever invited you to come to this. Um, we are collaborative partners, but at the end of the day, um, nobody's going to know your business like the person who invited you. So make sure you have conversations with them. Just consider this workshop a launch pad for that. Um, and then if we have time, we'll talk about managing. Um, and in managing cash flow, there are three areas. There's saving, borrowing, and investing. Um, those are least important today because if we don't get to them, we don't get to them. But if we do get to them, it's a nice little bonus. Uh, most importantly, I really want to cover inbound and outbound. Is that okay with everyone if we focus on the, on the big, easy impact today things? Okay. So we're going to first talk about, this is my personal favorite. I can talk about inbound cash flow all day long. Um, the reason I like inbound cash flow as a coach, it's really easy to measure. It's really exciting for people. You can build momentum. And quite frankly, if you don't have cash coming in, you have nothing to manage going out. So we want to get that cash flow coming in. And what I'm going to do is share my favorite tips. And basically, I'll have future sessions where we can go into... Um, honestly, I could do a 90-minute segment on each of these, so obviously today I'm not going to do that. But let's talk about inbound cash flow. And if you have one of these, I'd love it if you'd share your thoughts in the, in the chat. Um, but basically, I'm here to present some options and give you some ideas how you can add that systematic cash flow coming in. So the number one thing is new revenue streams. And this might sound obvious, but for some reason, a lot of people don't see that opportunity here. So one of the things I do is look at revenue from existing products versus revenue from new products or services. So basically, what I would propose is every business out there you should be finding and spending some time finding new products to offer to existing clients or new services. And the reason for that is a new client is expensive to acquire. It's less expensive to get an existing client to spend more money with you. So as an example, um, or for the numbers, it costs seven times as much to acquire a new customer as it does to get an existing customer to spend more money. So think about, and I'm all about adding value, and this is one of my favorite games to play, and this is something we do in our cash flow club. What else can you do? What other problems can you solve through products or services or a combination of products and services to help your clients grow? So I don't care if you sell products. I don't care if you sell services. I don't care if you are a consultant or a coach. There are new things, new problems you can solve for your clients that will help them. And in return, they'll want to spend more money with you. So one of the things I would suggest is after the call, 
pick your 10 favorite clients. And, and I do mean favorite, not the ones that annoy you, because if you call the ones that, that annoy you, they're going to create products that annoy you down the road. So pick five, 10 of your favorite clients and say, hey, I'm curious, is there anything else I can help you with? And this is fun because we might think we know what our clients want or need, but sometimes it's as simple as reaching out to them. And, and one of my favorite things, which is really easy, low cost, high value, is creating frequently asked question documents that explain to your client or customer or patient how they can get better use out of the products or services they already have. So for example, if you're a professional and you offer services, you could give them a list of questions that they should have asked you and you want them to know the answers to. Um, but I love products because you can give them a document on how to improve how they use and experience your product or how they maintain your product or how they get the most value out of it. Um, so education is one of my favorite things because it allows you to really serve your best clients and find new ways to help them. So as an example, we have Robin and Linda and Shailene. They are all traditional bookkeeping and accounting practitioners. One of the things they're doing is adding value by talking to their clients about cash flow. So it's a new product. And just for the record, if you look at the hierarchy of revenue, new products to existing customers is the lowest risk, highest reward type of revenue stream you can add. Now, if you add new products and new services for new clients, that's the highest risk, lowest return. So there's a reason we add new products for existing clients first. Now, again, I'm gonna sound like a broken record, I believe every business should have some sort of membership program. And I've been tested and people throw all kinds of businesses at me. I can't find a business that won't benefit from a membership program. And again, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, one of my favorites for retail stores is a front of the line program. And basically what you do is when you get new inventory or new, you know, new season materials, things like that, your front of the line VIPs, they get an email saying, hey, we have a new shipment of products or service, products or goods in. Um, we're having a VIP night on the first Tuesday of the month. You're all welcome. Come out. Um, this one, by the way, I turned a small town um, clothing store. It was a women's clothing store and they were barely making ends meet. They created a front of the line membership program and they were amazed by how much the women in their community were willing to pay to get the fall fashions before everybody else did. So think about what kind of membership program you have. It could be front of line, it could be educational content. There's a lot of different membership programs. The defining feature of a good membership program is that it adds value to your best clients and it gives them a way to pay you monthly rather than recurring. Um, one of the other ones I, I love is for commodity goods, um, you know, for example, hair, hair care products, 
you can have a set it and forget it reorder where you just automatically ship it to them on a regular basis. So that's membership programs. I highly encourage you all to think about how it would apply. Um, really, I can't see anybody, I'm not kidding. Somebody came to me and said, Jeff, I'm in the funeral business, perfect. People want planning, they wanna know what their funeral is gonna cost, membership program. Um, I created one for a dog walking company once upon a time. So membership programs are my favorite because just imagine a traditional business, whether you sell products or services, every month you have overhead, you have to pay regardless of whether you sell anything or not. So when you start the month, you're in a negative position and you've got to earn sales to cover that month's expenses. Now, if you have a membership program, you know with certainty within a few dollars, how much your membership income is going to be. So one of the ways I see whether you're a solopreneur or a growing company, you get to that financial freedom when your membership program revenues cover your business overhead. So that's a, a fun little thing to do because it makes life so much calmer, so much easier, way less stressful. Now, educational content, this is one of my favorite things. Um, just ask Robin and Linda and Shea Weena. I spend hours creating content. Um, the reason I do it, and this is something that goes back to talking to your best clients, I ask them what problems they'd like to solve, and then I solve those problems for them. And that can be, I can create a little workbook, I can create a video, I can do a tutorial, um, but this is the great thing. And I also get into podcasts where I can interview other experts. But if you think about your ideal client, whoever that is, um, and I tell people fall in love with your client, not your solution. But if you really truly love your clients and you wanna find a way to serve them, there's almost always educational content that can help. So for example, if you work with um, parents with kids, you can create all kinds of content on, you know, how, how people can optimize screen time, how they can um, proper nutrition. What are the, I have a dentist that I worked with that created a program. Um, it was the 12 stages of dentistry. And it basically said what you need to do with your child at what age. So think of all the years of expertise, whether you're a fitness trainer, a dog walker, um, you sell health and wellness, whatever it is, there's educational content that people would pay to get your expertise. And again, one of my favorites when I, I talk to people is I guarantee no matter what business you're in, your new clients ask you a bunch of questions. You know, how do I do this? What do I do with this? When do I do this? Um, you know, we, my kids wanted a, a fishbowl at one point. So of course we went to the pet store and asked a bunch of questions. Um, create a little document listing out the questions and your answers. And this one's actually funny because people, if you create a frequently asked question document that people would pay for, um, it adds value and it makes them it easier for you to clone your best clients because they'll tell their friends about you. So th those are some options. I'm gonna pause here and see if anybody has any questions because the next three are fun. 
Okay. So looking at this, um, Angela has a comment that she was a one-to-one -one trainer and honestly, that's exhausting. I'm all about group, things like that. Um, creating a program is easy. Now, when people talk about content creation, um, what I'm going to say is, so Angela, you said that, that content creation is exhausting. Um, my answer is you're doing the wrong type of content for your personality. So think about what I would do, and, and all of you, if you walk away with nothing other than this tip, this is one of my number one tips. When you have a client who asks you a question, immediately write it down, and then whatever's comfortable with you for you, do it this way. So if you like video, record a video. If you like audio, um, I tell people, just grab your phone and, and talk into it and record. Or if you like to write, write it. But if you want to grow any business, take the time and answer your questions in the format of how do I blank? And the reason you want to do that is with video and with other search, um, the Internet prioritizes people who answer the question, how do I blank? So, for example, how do I hydrate after a workout? How do I grow my business? How do I create educational content with ease? Um, and basically, if you just answer one question a day and post that on, on say, your social media or on your website, um, you're adding more value to the community than anyone else in your industry because most people are answering the wrong question. They're saying, here's how you work with me. Here's how you give me money. You want to answer the question, how can I improve my life for having known you? So that's the, the big thing. Um, and there is all kinds of content out there. Um, you can white label stuff, you can hire people. Um, if you really, really hate content, uh, I love Fiverr. It's F-I-V-E-R-R, fiverr.com. Um, for $5 US, somebody will create something for you. Um, but really, truly, you know, just do what feels right to you and natural. Um, in the fitness space, people tend to like videos, um, and I'm not a big platform person, but a lot of people in the fitness space are either on TikTok or Instagram, and, you know, they're answering the common questions like, you know, here's 10 nutrition tips, here's five ways to hydrate, here's three stretches. So think about if you want to create educational content that builds your business, my number one tip is think about what questions somebody would have before they work with you and how can you answer those and basically bust the myths so that they know what it's like to work with you. So I'm going to move on, but we'll uh, spend more time on, on whatever you guys want at the end when we have the question section. Um, now, increasing customer average spend, this is, first of all, the goal is to serve your customer, not just to take more money. So uh, when I talk about average spend, I'm not saying go double your, your fees. What I am saying is how could you add value to your customer? And one of my favorite examples is an old one. Um, there was a pet store that a friend of mine worked with, 
And what they did was they realized they studied their numbers. And this is where you want to talk to your accountant. They studied their numbers. And in this pet store's case, they realized that on average, a family would spend, I think it was $500 a year on the maintenance of a pet bird. And so what they did was, you know, and people were getting annoyed and frustrated because they'd have to come back every month to get bird seed and things. Um, so what they did was when someone bought, you know, a $50 bird, they would bundle in a year's worth of food, the cage, the contents, everything they needed. And they'd create a bundle so that the person walked out of the store with everything they needed for a year. And then, of course, they created a membership program where they sent out a newsletter. And basically, the newsletter was about tips for maintaining and, and keeping your bird alive. And again, apply what works to you, throw the rest away. The piece that I really liked is they put a two-year warranty on the bird. So no questions asked. If the bird died, you brought it back. Um, now, they did have criteria. Obviously, you had to be feeding the bird and things like that. Um, you know, death by cat was one of their exclusions. But they took away the risk of buying a bird because... You know, again, my family, we bought a bunch of fish. We spent three, $400 on fish stuff. And within a month, we flushed all the fish down the toilet because they're all dead. Um, we had a very expensive reminder that fish are a bad investment. So if you can eliminate as much risk as possible, um, you know, again, if you're a personal trainer, um, one of the things I know is people who succeed in training, they, they buy workout gear, um, you know, so they might have a water bottle, they might have a t-shirt, they might have a towel, um, create a bundle so that they get all of that when they sign up with you. And now frequency is a, is a fun one. If you can find ways to get your customers to buy more frequently. Um, for the annual service providers, a monthly membership program is amazing. Um, if you run a fitness program, you might want to find a way um, they have drop-in, something like that. You can sell extras and add-ons. And what we do with all five of these things, our intention, and this is my favorite outcome, we want to add so much value that our customers are raving about us and they tell their friends about us and therefore we grow by referrals. So referrals, and I'm going to give you all the question, what would I have to do in my business today to survive as a referral-only business? Does anybody believe that's possible, impossible? Um, I'm going to open the chat. Just let me know your thoughts on referrals. So I'll go on to the next slide here, but we'll come back and, and talk about it. And uh, the, the reality is I personally would rather have a business that's 100% referral than a business that is fed by cold traffic on any platform on the planet. Um, and, and that's the, the, the secret is people don't usually know how to ask for referrals. They don't know how to handle referrals. And they're trying too hard to ask for referrals 
when all they have to do is focus on adding value and little spoiler alert, the educational content, the materials we talked about, that makes it easy for your best clients to share what you do with, with their friends. And uh, there's a funny thing about referrals that is very misunderstood. Um, first of all, a customer that comes to you from referral is more likely to bring you referrals because they understand that's how you grow your business. Now, the flip side of that is a customer who gives a referral, they're going to stay with you longer, appreciate you more and spend more money because they've put their reputation on the line and said, hey, I use this person, you should come here. So referrals are in fact the best way to grow a business. They're also the cheapest, most reliable, and those people tend to become your raving fans faster. So referrals are absolutely my favorite way to grow a business. Now we're going to switch gears and talk about accelerating inbound cash flow. And this is my second favorite area to play. I always want to see more cash flow coming in, um, but the faster we bring it in, the faster we can run our business. Now, this is going to sound really, really overly simple, but the number one way to accelerate inbound cash flow is to invoice faster. So for those of you who sell products, this is probably different, but um, look at the service industry. I had a electrician, they were taking two to three months to invoice their customers. And then those customers were taking two to three months to pay them. So it, they were taking six months to get paid on jobs where they were paying the salary and the supplies today. So literally that poor little company could never grow because they were financing 100% of their revenue and they had cash going out today. And all we did, and you can talk to your accountant or bookkeeper for this, um, we set up cloud accounting software. We got the point where um, the customers were actually paying a retainer upfront we took that little accounting, sorry, it was an electrician. We took them from 150,000 a year in revenue to over 3 million in two years just by changing the speed of invoicing. Because if you think about it, everything was on their credit card. They were maxed out. They were paying interest and they were starving to death. Um, once we started bringing in the cash faster, their business turned around overnight. So I'm a big fan. There are many, many online tools. Um, you can use Xero, QuickBooks, online, but have your bookkeeping in the cloud or in some form where you're getting real-time information. And again, the best thing I like about a membership site or a membership program is you're getting paid at the beginning of the month for their presence in your life for the rest of the month. So wherever possible, and again, people challenge me all the time and say, I'm in this industry, we don't do it this way. Um, always get paid before you deliver. That is my number one piece of advice. And I'm going to be honest, this is the number one thing that cripples successful growing businesses is they don't get paid fast enough. I once helped liquidate a company. They were doing $30 million a year in revenue and their profit was 15 million a year, they went bankrupt in six months because they were paying all of their expenses today 
and they were getting paid a year from now. So just imagine you're running a business, $15 million in profit on the books. You've got 15 million of expenses. You've put the cash out today. You bleed it to death before you collect that 15 million profit. So that's my number one thing. And wherever possible, I strongly encourage monthly payments or prepayments. Retainers are wonderful. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about a membership program. If you can get to a point where people are paying you um, every month, that pays your bills. And then you can feel free to invest your time and energy in other things. Okay, any questions on accelerating cash flow? Actually, I'd like to say something about that. I love the idea of the retainer, Jeff. Um, we've done thousands of income tax returns over the years. And in actually in only two cases I can think of off the top of my head, we sent the client their income tax return. They took it and then they did their own income taxes using everything we gave them and then didn't want to pay us. So I love the idea of the retainer. Like right, right from the get-go, when we're taking on a new client, if we're going to do their taxes, I'm just from now on, we're going to get a retainer in that. Love it. And um, there was a comment. Hold on a second. Um, so for Angela, Angela has um, a monthly that people prepay for sessions. And then there's um, the assumption from her cash flow point of view is, you know, people use their sessions in a month to move on. Um, one of my favorite things, people don't pay for sessions, they pay for results. So what can you do to give them more results, give them more value? And rather than they pay per session, have a membership where they pay per month. And, you know, I've seen people go to unlimited sessions. Um, again, that's extreme and have a chat with, with your accountant before you do this. Um, but there is something out there that people value. And um, one of the things I've seen a lot of, I've worked with a lot of fitness clubs and things, um, have contests, have continuity, have streaks, have, have things where people um, are encouraged to use them. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, there is zero value in holding a voucher for 10 sessions. If I'm trying to get healthy, it's to my detriment to store and hoard those, those sessions. So find ways to get people to come in and use those sessions. And I know people always do the math and say, well, it's $13 a session or whatever it is. But rather than selling you know, $10 per session, charge $100 per month and they get 11 sessions or something. So give them a reason to keep coming in. And also you can have a conversation with them and say, you know, one of the things I would say for fitness, um, I've seen very, very successful where they do challenges where people, you know, um, how many sit-ups can you do in a month? How many miles can you bike on a bike? Have contests where people can win prizes and you know free consulting free coaching free products free or low cost educational material um but think about so i'm going to give you all the the moral obligation speech 
Um, if you truly believe that what you do makes someone's world better, you have a moral obligation to help them get your help. So if you're a fitness trainer and you want somebody to get help through you, then you need to figure out how do I motivate or incentivize them to come in more often. And, and by the way, that's the assumption that more often is in fact in their best interests. Um, you know, so make it reasonable. You don't want to say, oh, you got to come every day for 30 days or else. Um, but give them reasons to want to come in. Okay, now we're going to get to systemize. And um, spoiler alert, we've already beaten this to death. You probably just didn't notice it. Um, I would say the number one system is your client onboarding and membership. So have a system for how you bring in your new clients, how you earn referrals, how you, how you process referrals. Um, do you reward people for referrals or not? Um, and by the way, that's another thing you can gamify. Um, so Angela, one of the things I like for fitness, nobody wants to work out alone. So have a two for one buddy pass or not two for one, but have a buddy pass where two people sign up and they commit to each other. We're going to come to 10 sessions a month. Because the power, you don't have the power to reach into people's homes and drag them off the couch and get them down to the gym. But their friend, colleague, neighbor who says, hey, I'm in the car, I'm on the way there, see you there, um, that guilt is going to get them off the couch. So find ways to make it easy for people to spend money. Um, and yes, you know, watching videos, things like that. Um, the number one thing for anybody in any industry is build a community of people. And I do that on LinkedIn. You can use whatever platform you like, but get people to share their wins. That is the number one thing to get people to spend more and to be more active. All right, now we're getting it into the other side of cash flow. And you'll notice the energy level. This is not my favorite topic because I can tell you with certainty, I have never seen a business cut its way to success. I've seen people survive to fight another day because they cut their costs. But personally, I see the shortest path to success as through um, new revenues, more revenue coming in faster. But I recognize, you know, we're talking about recession. Um, so some of the things we can do to decrease the outbound cash flow, um, these are my three favorites. I guarantee Shailene, Robin, and Linda have their favorites. Uh, my number one is negotiate with your vendors. And it is amazing. People are afraid to ask. They don't want to ask. They don't want to look bad. But the reality is if you shop at a few vendors on a regular basis, you can usually negotiate lower prices, you know, and again, maybe you prepay for two months worth of supply and you get a 10% discount. Um, find ways to negotiate with your vendors and get better rates. Um, one of the things I think that's really often missed is bulk buying clubs or bulk buying options. And uh, I've actually seen a few accountants do this with their clients they get all of their clients in one industry together and they go to the big vendors and say, okay, we've got 50 clients in this space. What kind of deals are you willing to offer for them? Um, and then 
the uh, Vistaprint is another example. What they do is they offer printing for small businesses, but what they do is they go to printers, could be in your city, community, whatever, and they'll say, we have projects that we're willing to offer you at a lower rate in your downtime. And if you're willing to do it at the lower rate, we'll give you this work. So sometimes you can find deals just by asking. And always ask around. That's I love networking. When you network with the right people, you'll find vendors that are more flexible. They'll give big, bigger cuts, concessions. Um, most of the hardware stores, if you're in the business where you need hardware stuff, you know, if you do home improvement or construction, um, they have a professional club where you'll get five, 10% discount just by signing up to be part of their, their program. And I know Home Depot has a, a contractor desk. It's free to sign up, but you get discounts. So when you hit a certain, um, it's like a loyalty card and they track it for you. And once you hit a certain spending limit, they give you discounts. So think about where you could find some discounts. Um, now, we will talk about return on investment, that's ROI, um, all by itself because it's very important. One of the things I look at, and I encourage all of you to do this, is look at your budget and see what things are absolutely necessary to make your business move forward versus things that could be eliminated or scrapped. Um, and one tip I got from a friend of mine, look at your monthly credit card statements and see if there's any recurring charges that you don't remember what they are or you don't use anymore and cancel them. I, I once had a client, um, their business, it was an online membership, they sold educational content. Um, they kept billing people, they didn't understand what they were doing. And when I came in and, and we saw this, we stopped it. Um, they billed their clients $500 a month for two years after they shut the business down. And I'm not kidding, nobody canceled the charge. So just imagine you got $6,000 sitting around. Um, it was my client that had a health issue. He left it in someone else's hands when he we figured out the problem, he had to make a bunch of refunds. Um, but it was just very eye-opening that, you know, he literally had 200 people paying him $500 a month for a business that he thought he'd shut down. So the good news was he thought he'd shut it down, so he didn't spend the money because it was in a bank account he wasn't checking. Um, so it was easy to issue refunds, but just imagine how much money was going out these people's doors. And uh, I'm always a fan, if you are a small business, Find other small businesses and you, you can talk to your accountants and bookkeepers to do this. Um, but again, if, if say you need 10 widgets and each of the, your community needs 10 widgets, if you all go in together and buy 100 widgets together, you can usually get a better price than if each of you went and bought those 10 widgets on your own. So sometimes there's bulk discounts. Um, this is an area I'm going to leave Robin and Linda and Shailene to develop further. Um, I just wanted to give you a few of the high-level ideas. Okay. All right. So 
slowing down outbound cash. This is third favorite of mine. I, I prefer slowing down to uh, reducing just because there's more wiggle room. But there, there's five areas we're going to talk about today. And, and this is really the, the last heavy, meaty slide. So we're going to get into more of a discussion. Um, but the beautiful thing is, and I'm sure Shailene, Robin, and Linda will attest to this uh, as we wrap up, um, there are ways you can negotiate with vendors, you can negotiate price, you can negotiate terms. Um, I know some large companies, they'll offer 90 days um, interest-free, you can buy things, sell them, get paid, and then pay off the debt. Um, my big one in the middle there is matching credit type with your purchase. Um, if you buy a long-term asset like a truck or a building or you know a big piece of equipment, finance that with long-term debt. So make sure you're going to a finance company or your bank because a lot of people will say, well, I've got cash. I'm going to buy the, the equipment with cash. That takes away your rainy day fund. Um, so if you buy it over time, and you pay for it over time, you get the value, you bring in the money while you pay for it over time. So you're not depleting your cash. Um, the other thing is if you're buying short-term things like inventory, you wanna pay for that with short-term lines of credit or credit cards. Now, one of my favorite little tips is you might get terms like your, your vendor might say, you know, it's net 30, you owe them the full amount within 30 days. If you pay that by credit card on the 30th day, a lot of credit cards will give you 30 days interest-free. So you can actually take 60 days to pay for something without incurring any interest. Uh, and when times are tough, that interest can be the difference between, you know, do I feed my kids today or next week? So I'm always looking for little wins. Now, you're going to have some payments and this is, truly emergency only, don't make a habit of this. But if you're going through really, really tough times, you might have to reach out to some of your lenders, vendors, and say, I'm not able to make payments. The critical thing is if you need those services or products to keep your lights on, you need to be paying them. But if you've got something that, you know, for example, um, if you've got Netflix and you're using it to entertain kids in your lobby, maybe you cut the Netflix account and, and the kids watch a DVD instead. Uh, that's a minor thing, but just my key point here is every business owner, I believe, should know the difference between mission critical expenses that keep the lights on and the nice to have, but my life won't end if I don't have expenses. And this is the part where I have the least success. Um, if you don't need it today and you desperately are having cash flow issues, if you don't need it today, don't buy it. No amount of credit, you know, and this is where they trap um, university kids into mountains of debt, you know, buy now, pay later. Um, the reality is there's always something you're gonna need the cash for later. So if you don't have the cash now, ask yourself, do I really desperately need it? Again, does it keep the lights on or is it just nice to have? Now, the number one strategy, and 
This I'm going to throw into Shailene, Robin, and Linda's court. Um, every business, in my humble opinion, should have a budget. Now, it doesn't need to be a fancy budget, but at the very least, you need to know how much revenue is coming in, how much cash is going out. So quantity is important, but also timing. So one of the things, and this is beyond the scope of, of our little conversation today, um, you want to optimize your cash flow so that you have a little bit of a slush fund, you have some cash in hand, but more importantly, your cash in is coming in on time and in the right quantity for the cash that needs to go out in your business. And this is a really obvious statement, but it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. Now I'm gonna walk through saving, investing and borrowing very, very quickly. Um, I believe every business should have two to three months of expenses saved in some slush fund somewhere. Um, we're not gonna get into how to do that today, but I'm a big believer um, if you spend less than you earn and you invest a little bit every month, um, the uh, the wealthy barber, David Chilton, he once said, I think it was 10% of your revenue, just put it in a, an account you don't touch. Um, you'll always have some money for your business for growth for emergencies. Borrowing, as I said, you want to look at does the debt match the asset? Um, you know, you have a chat with your, your accountant or bookkeeper. Are you borrowing the right type of money and the right amount at the right rates? Um, a lot of people just take whatever credit they get. Think about the cost of that credit. So there is, and people will say, oh, I got free credit or I didn't pay for 90 days. I didn't pay for 30 days. Um, there's rarely anything free in this world anymore ask the question, what is this borrowing actually costing me? And because we're talking about business survival, I'm not going to waste a lot of your time today talking about investing, um, but the reality is your business should be your single greatest investment. Um, but as you grow your business, you wanna diversify. You don't want 100% of your business um, sorry, you don't want your business to be 100% of your retirement plan. You want to have other investments, and that might be real estate, it might be stocks and bonds, it might be other businesses and in other industries. Um, but the reality is, we as entrepreneurs tend to have way too much concentrated risk in our business. And when the business, if the business fails, everything's wiped out. So you don't wanna be in that position where 100% of your retirement depends on the economy 10 years from now. So we'll talk about return on investment and then I'm gonna open this, the floor to questions. Now, this might sound like a technical term and I know it scares a lot of people if you get too technical, um, but return on investment is one of my favorite decision-making tools and I feel like a lot of people don't do this properly. And basically, for every business decision you make, you should be calculating the estimated return on investment and the actual return on investment. So I'll give you an example, and then I'll explain what I mean. But if you're going to spend money on marketing, 
I believe that every dollar spent on marketing at a minimum should bring back $10 worth of new revenue. So if you're looking at three different marketing options and one option brings back that $10 return on investment, uh, that's going to be a maybe. Not a definite yes, but it's a strong maybe. Um, but if the next option brings back $5, that's a hard no, probably. Um, if the next option brings back $1,000, I'm going to ask what's going on because that one sounds too good to be true. But you want to look at your options and say, okay, which one gives me the best return for the least risk? So the highest ROI is always going to be through getting new customers through referral because I'm going to share a practical story. A friend of mine gives me brownies every time I send her homemade brownies. Every time I send her a referral, she sends me brownies. Um, the referrals I send her are worth tens of thousands of dollars and her cost is a couple hours of her time and, and the effort to make the brownies. Uh, that's a really good return on investment. So return on investment is really easy to calculate. Um, you, first of all, for the estimated return on investment, you take your estimated profit, which is current value minus cost, and you divide that by cost and multiply by 100. So you'll get some number as a percentage. Um, if that reaches your expectations, then you consider going ahead if you have three options, you're probably going to go with the one that has the lowest risk, highest return on investment. Now, actual return on investment is after the project wrapped up, you know, say you do a, a media campaign and you advertise on radio, TV and newspaper, you're going to take your, your new client value, that's total new revenue, subtract the cost of all of your campaigns and divide that by cost that gives you your actual return on investment. So it's a bit of math. Um, if you don't know how to calculate this, definitely talk to Shailene, Robin, and Linda. That's um, their wheelhouse. They're good at this. But the reality is I would say every business, I don't care what size you are, you should be in the habit of saying, what's the return on this investment? Um, and and a, I'll give you an example. And this one was a, a bookkeeper. So she didn't know the value of this. Um, you will all hear this, and I hope I'll say this isn't sustainable. She was paying her employees $50 an hour, and she was charging her clients $25. And my question was, how many hours could she afford to deliver before she went broke? Because it never once occurred to her that she was spending more than she was receiving. So for anybody who's not good at math, you should always bring in more in revenue than you're sending out in expenses. You can't fix a business where your expenses exceed revenue until you fix that imbalance. Now I'm going to skip over the resources. We, we have the Cashflow Club playbook, which if you haven't gotten a copy, I'll put a link in the chat. But what we're going to be doing is we're going to be sharing our favorite podcast books and software. And for those of you who want help, reach out to whoever invited you. We do have an ongoing cash flow program. 
Um, you will be working with your bookkeeper accountant, Shailene Robin or Linda. I will be in the group. I'll be facilitating, but your primary contact will be whoever brought you to today's call. Um, if I brought you to today's call, then good news, you get to work with me. Um, if you're working with Robin, Linda, and Shailene, great news because you get to work with fabulous, fabulous people. Um, I'll put a link in there and this shouldn't surprise anyone. It's a monthly uh, membership. Stay as long as you like. If you're getting value, you're going to stick around. If you're not getting value, we'll try to fix it. But honestly, uh, we want to hang out with people who like to hang out with us and we love great people. So we're always looking for new friendly faces to hang out with and play with. And that is my presentation. I want to thank all of you for sitting here listening. I know listening to somebody talk about cash flow is not always the top priority. I know we've got a long weekend coming, but um, I want to say thank you to all who came. And I'm going to now stop sharing and open it up, but I'm going to paste a couple of resources. If anybody wants, you can um, unmute yourself. So Robin, Linda, Shailene, I'm going to go in that order. Um, just say any final thoughts that you have, and then we'll open it up and we'll spend the next 30 minutes or so answering any questions that people have um, as we go. You know, some of these strategies seem like they are very simple, but they are so important to keep your business going. Absolutely. All right, Linda, any thoughts on your end? I agree with Robin. It sounds simple, but we all forget it. You know, we had an accounting bookkeeping office and you would think that we knew it all, but we eventually hired a coach to help us because that coach who happened to be Jeff um, really, really helped us grow and Instead of just concentrating on our clients, which is what we were doing, we started to concentrate on our own business. And I think that that's the part of cash flow that we sometimes miss. We're so busy making sure that we're giving our clients, patients, customers, everything that we forget about looking after our own business. Mm -hmm. I love it. And for the entrepreneurs out there, I'm going to steal from the airlines. Um, put your oxygen mask on first, because if you're not thriving and surviving, you're not going to help your community. You're not going to have that big impact. Um, Shailene. A couple of things, you know, I know cash flow. I've been studying this for many years, but even, even doing this workshop still brings up new ideas. And I'm thinking of Amanda and I'm thinking of Angela. I was thinking of Chad going, oh my God, that would work for them. Oh, this would work. Like Angela does a lot of work with, um, can, if you don't mind me saying Angela, do you mind if I say? She works with a lot of women who are experiencing menopause and she helps them with their dietary needs. And I'm like, I know like 50 women. <laughs> so she starts like a monthly thing. I'm like, oh my God, I know so many people who would, love to do that. And uh, Amanda, may I say what you do? Do you mind? Okay, Amanda has an amazing store. It's wonderful storefront in Coburg, fantastic location. 
and she has, I'm going to guess, because I've been in the store a number of times now, 40 vendors, maybe even more. And 120. 120. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, the, and it's a very big store. It's beautiful. And uh, all selling these different vendors' products. And people love it, what's in there. And uh, I was just thinking of, you know, the membership idea for Amanda as well, just so much. But the second thing I wanted to comment on was that... Um, I found that it, at first, sometimes things take a bit of time, but it saves you a fortune in the end, like going through all of your credit card statements and bank statements and seeing these reoccurring payments, recurring payments. And and this is going to take a few hours to do this, but it saves you so much in the end. So a little prep time uh, and dedication to these hours at the beginning of a process saves so much time later on and so much money. We're going to open this up for everybody, so you all get to ask questions, and this is unique and rare. Um, you have four people in the room who literally eat, sleep, and breathe cash flow, so this is a great time to ask any questions that you have. Um, Angela, if I may, um, you know, what I'm hearing, and, and it sounds a little different, but I'm just going to be imperfect here. Um, I love indoor farmers markets, and one of the things I think they all miss is the combination of, um, you know, recipes and having like cookbooks and guides and things, um, and just having a, a, a listing of the vendors, um, you know, because it sort of relies on people to wander through and, and find things. Um, I've worked with a few of these indoor farmers markets. And my favorite thing is creating a recipe book where you put together, you know, the carrots from this one, the cucumbers from that one, the beef from that one. Um, if you create guides like that, it makes it really easy for people to buy. Um, the other thing is if they have like, um, you know, a membership, we used to do this with a, with a hog farm. Every month you got certain cuts of meat delivered. Um, you the price was set at the beginning of the year, you paid it in 12 equal installments, and every month they delivered a certain amount of meat. So there's a lot of ways to implement these things. My suggestion would be talk to some of your providers, your manufacturers, your makers, your, your creatives, and just say, what could we do? Because one of the things I see is a lot of farmers markets are together in one space, but they're all competing for the attention of the people walking through. Um, my 10-year-old, he actually said, Dad, please don't make me go to the farmer's market. Um, there's some really desperate vendors and they scare me. And I'm not kidding. They're like, hey, kid, you want this? And he's like, nope. So make it easy for them. Yeah, and Shailene, that's a great thing. Bundle, have have baskets. All right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that would work great for for Amanda because she has all of these vendors and see, um, you know, uh, get a discount on a huge amount of say, handmade soap, which ha I happen to love actually, because it it's not harsh on my skin. So maybe say, look, at, I'll buy if I buy this much from you, what kind of a deal will you give me, and you can make up all these baskets and the online sales alone, any of these things that would be fantastic. I love that idea. And um, again, if you've got a lot of different things, um, a YouTube channel or a podcast where people can podcast. subscribe and, and see what you do. 
All right, I'm going to open this up so there's no question you can't ask, um, but I'm going to encourage all of you to ask any questions you want, and when the questions run out, we'll wind up. Um, so I'm not holding anybody hostage. You can leave if you have to, um, but I'm going to say you've got four cash flow experts in the room. So, um, oh, three. I think we lost Robin. Did I lose Robin? Looks like she, yeah, uh, looks like something happened with her, her oh. uh, internet. All right. So unmute yourselves, turn your cameras on and ask away. Uh, I will let Robin, sorry, Linda and Shailene answer first, and then I'll chime in with um, my thoughts. So who'd like to go first? Pete, you've got to have a cash flow question. <laughs> Um, Angela, I saw in the thing you, you were talking about menopausal women. Um, number one thing, I cannot stress this enough and just ask Shailene, I will rant until my head explodes. Podcast talking about the unique health issues of menopause. Because there is so much nonsense. There's so much. Um, and by the way, I've done about 20 episodes on menopause. Um, I've gotten really good at hearing things I didn't want to hear <laughs> and don't want to hear. But um, I'm doing the research so my wife doesn't have to, <laughs> but that's the key. And, and, you know, if you understand who your audience is, you can add a lot of value just by interviewing experts. It's funny that you say that, Jeff, because this morning earlier, Annette and I were speaking and I'm like, let's get Amanda on for a podcast. And then when we did this workshop today, I saw Angela and I'm like, Oh my God, she'd be fantastic in a podcast. So I, I sent it to Annette, get her information. So that's perfect. I'd love to do podcasts with both of you. Awesome. All right. Um, and it was Angela that hates creating content. Was that right? Or was it? No, Amanda. Amanda. <laughs> okay. Amanda, what do you like to do? Is there any type of content? Redecorate my store. <laughs> Oh, um, beautiful. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you something and you can take what you will from it. Um, my kids grew up watching this kid named Evan. He literally, I think his YouTube channel is called Evan Tube. Um, the kid is a millionaire because of his YouTube channel. And my kids are like, could we do that? And I'm like, no way in hell are you going to be that visible, that public. But mm. literally this kid, he was seven or eight. And his dad runs a video production studio. So dad thought, hey, I'm going to get my kid online and, and start doing video um, to show off his production studio. Uh, ironically, dad sold his business to, to focus full time on his kid because his kid was making millions. <laughs> and all this kid did was whenever his parents bought him something, he did an unboxing video. And so he he recorded a video showing what's in the box and what came with it. And at first it was his Christmas, birthday, whatever, you know, gifts. But he started getting a following, including my two sons who would watch everything because they wanted to know what's the latest and greatest toy and whatever. Um, just happened he was like a year older than my oldest son. So my oldest son was like, oh my God, look what Evan got. Dad, can I get it? And damn you Evan um, but over time Evan was popular enough that toy companies started sending him prototype toys and mm -hmm. he would play with them and they would get his feedback 
And then over time, people started paying him to open their toys on his channel. And so video is like the easiest thing. So if you like redecorating your store, you could show what you're redecorating with. And I'm going to assume you use you know, you're putting out the new things. And if you don't like video, then you can do audio or something. But um, it sounds to me like it's a very visual thing. So video is a very natural thing. Now, the other thing I would say is, again, this is membership and about marketing the group as a whole. Um, have a an interview series on, say, YouTube or whatever platform you, your people are on. Um, interview each of your vendors and ask them questions like, why do you do what you do? Um, what do you love about what you do? But people really love that behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they always say you shouldn't show people how the sausage is made, but the reality is there are some people who want to know how the sausage is made. Me personally, I've seen sausage made. I don't want to make sausage. I love a good sausage when it's cooked <laughs> right and served, but you know, you will get some raving fans who will pay to be behind the scenes. And this is something that might be really useful for you. Um, there's a website called Patreon, and it's absolutely amazing for simple, simple memberships. Um, you set, set it up, and I, I have a video somewhere where you can set it up in like 30 minutes. It handles the payments and things like that but you can set like different levels of member. And so you can have the people who, you know, for $5 a month, they get the the catalog of what's new this season. I mean, if you think about farmer's markets, my wife nerds out on the, the season changes. You know, everybody likes it when pumpkin spice latte first appear, you know, they want to see the first signs of pumpkins in the fall. Um, you could have a low level, people get a video seeing the activity of the market when it's being re refreshed for the season. Does that make sense? And spoiler alert, Angela, and, and by the way, for Delna and Dennis and Sue and Pete, if you want to unmute and come on camera, I promise we've got lots of fun stuff to share. We won't, we won't make fun of you. We won't judge you. Um, but Angela, for you, I would look at Patreon as well. And, and think about, so here, here's what I'm going to say. Your industry, there's a couple of challenges. Number one, almost everybody thinks that one-on-one -on -one fitness and training is better than group. Um, I would beg to differ for so many reasons. The number one is motivation. Number two, people will say, oh, I can't do this because um, one of the things I've seen most successfully is an online video library with unlimited access so that people are paying a membership to come and watch the videos and things like that. Um, an hour spent making one of those videos, you're going to get paid for months, 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 if not years to come on that video, as mm -hmm. opposed to spending an hour training 10 people. So video is a really good platform. But the thing, I'm going to be really, really blunt here because... I have a premenopausal woman in my house and I know more about menopause than most people do. Um, but the reality is there are a ton of bullshit answers out there and miscommunication and lies that need to be busted. 
there's like shame and irrational, you know, like there's just so much stupid nonsense out there from, you know, 1950s doctors who were all men and had no idea what menopause meant, let alone, you know, how to spell it. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, just doing a here's what to expect. And, you know, honestly, number one myth is menopause is for somebody over a certain age. Number two myth is that menopause is just something that sucks and we accept it and just don't talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can't stress enough. I, I've said this over and over. I work with a lot of menopause experts. Um, there, there's recipes that they need. There's guidance. Mm -hmm. There's exercises. Um, but there's also just community. Like, you're not alone. That That's the number one thing I hear. And by the way, that's number one thing in any industry, any problem. They need to hear you're not alone. Someone else has this problem. And Shailene can talk to you about strategic partners. Oh, God, the yeah. thing, thing about yeah. menopause is, you know, there's psychologists, psychiatrists, nutritionists, counselors, um, oh, what's the hormone replacement therapy clinics, um, they can all contribute content. And by the way, Amanda, if you don't like content, make your vendors contribute content. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And I can't stress this enough. Um, if you look at like farmers markets and things like that, um, the individual farmers, they rarely have success online. But when you have a farmers market that says, here's our community, those things explode because if you have each farmer that brings 10 people to the community, if you have 10 farmers, you've got a community of 100 people. So it, it really cross pollinates. All right. So Delna, I see you on, on camera. Do you have any cash flow questions? Mainly, I would say uh, with investments, like when you start making money and then you have the chunk, but you don't know what to do with it. Yes. So great problem to have. Um, I'm just going to say that this is not a joke. I'm serious. The only company on the planet I know that has what they call surplus cash is Apple. Apple's biggest problem is where do we invest our cash? Literally, they got bags of money under somebody's pillow and they're like, where do we invest it? Um, my advice to you is to talk to your accountant or bookkeeper um, and figure out what works for you. And my biggest advice is don't buy any investments from billboards, radio, or TV. Uh -uh. Almost all yeah. of them are scams. Yeah. Um, my wife works in the investment industry, and it's amazing the scams and, and things that are out there. Um, but try <laughs> to find investments that balance your level of risk, what you're comfortable with with your age and with your other priorities and Shailene and, and Rob and Linda can chime in here. Um, but also look at diversifying outside of your industry. So if you are in health and wellness, your investments should not be in health and wellness. I, I once had somebody who worked in oil and gas. I'm from Alberta. That's what people do. Um, his portfolio was hundred percent oil and gas stocks. So yeah. the year he got laid off and he lost his oil and gas job, his portfolio was worth nothing as well. Yeah. So Shailene, what, what would you say to investments? Oh, I, I love investments. <laughs> I live and breathe investments. 
but uh, for example, for my husband and I, are you in Canada, Delna? Yes, I am. Okay, good. Um, I'm actually one of the vendors with Amanda. Oh, that's so nice. Okay, perfect. Uh, she I makes like chocolate. To... Oh, okay. See, that should be <laughs> I am basket. making chocolate right now. <laughs> I will buy baskets and give them to like my employees. You didn't yes. hear that in that too. Um, yeah, for sure. But I like to have it spread out. I don't like everything in one thing. So I like RSPs for the tax savings. I love TFSAs because no matter what happens, any money you make a compound interest year over year over year over year, you're never going to pay taxes on that. Um, and I also, I love real estate, right? You can't go wrong in real estate. Um, now's a little tricky with the interest rates, but I like to have it in different. So I have the business and then I have TFSAs and RSPs. And, and so when we're talking about, um, you were saying something earlier about paying things, Jeff, sorry, but I always, the other thing I wanted to add to that, that I think is way underrated for self-employed people, pay yourself first, not last. You pay yourself first. Toothpaste analogy, if you have this much toothpaste, you can make it last for two weeks. If you have this much toothpaste, you can make it last for two weeks. So you pay yourself first and you'll find a way to get everything else paid. Uh, great book, Profit First. This is the name of the book. Angela knows it. Good. Absolute rule. And I, I talk to my clients. Pay yourself first. Put yourself on payroll if you need to so you can get CPP. Right. Yeah. When, you're, when you're older, um, uh, you're paying your federal and provincial taxes. So you're not hit with this big surprise at the end. Yeah. Anyone who ever wants to talk this subject, uh, feel free to give us a call because it's one of my favorite subjects. Angela. Um, I, I just put in the chat that I'm doing a book club right now on Profit First. You are. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You um, let me know about the Profit First book club. I was thinking about actually Jeff is starting a book club, and I think this might be on one of the books, isn't it? Is Profit it First, it's 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 amazing. Um, uh, a friend of mine who's another fitness yep. instructor out at, or a fitness person in Ottawa, she mentioned it. Yep. Um, so I'm doing it with them now, and and you get there's resources that you can go to his website and get for yep. this book and all of his books. And it shows there is an outline there, an agenda. If you're starting a profit foot first book club or accountability yeah. group, it gives you an agenda and stuff like that of how to, to run it. I think that's, I think it's one of the biggest mistakes that self-employed people make. I know mm -hmm. I did. I'm telling yeah. you the truth. For the first couple of years when I was starting my business, you know, and you're just trying to keep your head above water. I just try to make sure everyone else got paid and whatever was left over was mine. That's a huge mistake. You make sure that you're paying yourself because it's a business, not a hobby. Yeah. So I help, I can help my clients with that. That I think that's a huge thing. And I'm a fan. I actually know Michael. Um, he knows a writer. Oh, what's his last that's name? Michalowski. Michalowitz. Mike Michalowitz. I have trouble saying it. I have trouble spelling it. Um, Mike is amazing. And he's really, really passionate. Um, he hooked me with his book. I think it was called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Um, that's a great one if you haven't oh. read it. Um, what I love about Profit First, and Angela, I'm sure you know this, um, you can implement on your own just reading the book. Like he literally lays it all out there. Um, one of my absolute favorite resources, um, and that ties into investing for Delna as well. Um, the other thing I would say is, yeah, Mike Michalowicz, great, great book, great, great guy. Um, he, he's 
really down to earth and you know he's got an amazing community um he's got called i think the pumpkin patch plan the toilet paper entrepreneur clockworks fix this now um Surge. he so i'm going to give you all a little tiny tip as you're reading some of his books every book he writes he builds a business around it and spoiler alert a lot of what i i talked about today is inspired by top conversations with him um but every business every book he writes he builds a positive cash flow business around it and spoiler alert there's a membership program there's an educational component and what he does is as quickly as possible he he's the visionary he hands it over to an implementer to do the day-to-day -day management. So all he does literally is he goes from stage to stage, speaking gig to speaking gig, and he spends his time researching and writing. But every time you see his next book, he's already got a profitable business built before that book gets launched. Wow. So spoiler alert, you can grow fast if you have that community. Yeah. And you have that cash flow. Um, another fun one I want to share is the running room. Um, I'm going to guess most of you have heard of it. Uh, it actually started in John Stanton's garage in Edmonton here. And he struggled to figure out how to make money selling shoes. He just he, he was a running nut way back before it was popular. Um, and he'd go down to the U.S. and he'd pick up things and, and he'd buy some products and stuff and then his friends would be like hey get me a pair of shoes um he created a so he wrote a book called running start to finish and then what he did was he created workshops for each section of the running community so there's the couch potato to 5k crowd there's the 5k to 10k crowd um the 10k to half marathon crowd and then the half or the full marathon crowd and then there's the elite runners who wanted to qualify for Boston so every running room store he created the materials in the workshop and that's how they do 100% of their their referrals and their business growth is by bringing in other people and yes they make money from the workshops but spoiler alert um, the workshops all start in their physical stores then you go for a run and then you come back um, at the start of the run they show you how to properly fit your shoes how to properly put on your apparel and gear um, you know what pastes and gels and, and liquids you need um, they sell a ton I actually watched a friend of mine drop a thousand dollars because if you're going to be a runner you damn well better look like a runner um, I'm just going to say I made fun of her the next day when I caught her at home eating ice cream out of the carton in her thousand dollars worth of running gear. I'm like, I don't hey, think Jeff that's what menopause. it was meant for. <laughs> menopause, Jeff. <laughs> she was 22 at the time. She Wait, said, I, I'm not kidding. She said, I didn't buy this to look good running. I bought this to find a good looking runner. And I was like, okay. So. She, she found her husband out of it. That was what she wanted. All right. So that's cash flow. Um, Linda, what would you say about investing? Or So are you a corporation or are you a sole proprietor? I am a corporation, but I also work alone. 
Okay. Yeah. So in your corporation, you can say, keep your retained earnings in the corporation and invest within the corporation. You cannot buy RSPs and TFSAs, but you're going to defer tax on that money, but you have to watch the limits and everything. But if yeah. it was me, I would take Shailene's advice but I wouldn't necessarily take all of the money out of the corporation in any given year. Um, mm -hmm. Right. You can defer that tax. Just, and just to start with the... at least. Pardon? I, I just want to start at least. I haven't done anything, any investment as of yet. And I feel the need that maybe I should start small, at least with a yeah. small amount a year so that I have something to fall back and on. Right. And so there's lots of great people out there like Edward Jones. I know here in Alberta, Edward Jones has amazing results with, with investment money. They tend to be a little bit more trained advisors than the banks and they tend to be long term. Um, so you, and I always say you should talk to at least three. You should interview the person that you're going to hand some money over to mm -hmm. to invest. You wouldn't go and hire a lawyer or an accountant without making sure that they're a fit. And I really believe that as well for any investment people that you're going to invest with. Now, uh, Sue, do you have any questions? Okay. All right. We're um, almost at the top of the hour, so I'm going to wind up. But uh, if anyone wants to learn more, I would highly encourage you, your first step is to take a look at the Cashflow Club playbook. Um, I have it in the LinkedIn group. And by the way, this is just me. I live and breathe on LinkedIn. If, it, if it's not on LinkedIn, it's not in my world. But um, you can reach out to Shailene, Robin, or Linda. They can give you the PDF of the book. Um, they also, we can find a way, you can get it on Amazon if anybody wants the physical copy of it. Um, just as a fair warning, we're planning on updating it massively uh, in September. Robin and Linda and Shailene are adding a, a bunch of content. Um, and honestly, think of what we're doing. It's more of a book club for cash flow, but um, this is very, very practical, hands-on. Um, but I want to thank all of you for coming. And if you have any, anybody has questions, you can stick around for a minute. But otherwise, thank you. And uh, we'll be doing more of these. So feel free to uh, join us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Amanda, you. Amanda, so nice to see you. I'll be out in the next few days. Okay. <laughs> and nice to meet you, Delna. Really nice to nice meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Good. <laughs> That was good. I enjoyed that. That was really good. Even I learned something there. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.